ask yourself the question what would Jesus do just obey the word that's in you amen so it's good to understand how that works and and, uh, that we can trust the leading of the Holy Spirit within if we will believe God's word so it's a good thing so today we're going to talk to talk about being sober and being vigilant okay being sober and being vigilant and uh, not being a drunkard amen (laughs) this is not an AA meeting (laughs) my name is but no all right so i have to give her to alcoholic right so well but anyway um in first peter 5 8 you'll find that scripture and i was meditating on this and um the lord was speaking to me about the body of christ having been on a drunken binge recently we've been drunk in our own understanding drunk in our own power and that always leads you to be ensnared by the enemy and you see evidence of that you know people who have served God for years all of a sudden falling in a trap that you know you think man baby Christians don't (laughs) when I was a new believer I knew better than that you know I mean that's your mind tells you those things you know you look at them and you wonder and rightfully so because these people are the body of Christ every time somebody stumbles that causes the whole line to have to you know how if you were uh, runners in a race and that's what we are and say the guy if you're doing hurdles the guy before in front of you trips you gotta you gotta keep watching to make sure you make every hurdle he don't cause you to fall man and so you have to protect yourself you get a little more alert then when you see these things happening you begin to understand you know something's wrong somewhere something's wrong and so it's a good thing to be awake to that and alert to it don't be fearful because if you walk with God you don't have to claim their failure as your own and you don't have to claim their failure as well I can understand how that you don't have to understand people's weakness you don't have to understand their failures all you have to do is understand God and keep running amen if you're running a race and the guy trips in front of you you don't stop and say well I can understand how he did that you want that ain't that ain't even appropriate so you know why do we waste our time with nonsense stuff you know self-pity pitying somebody and trying to identify it's not helping him get up and leave his live his life again and so we have to understand that God has a proven way of helping us in our success we have a proven way of helping our success. So in First Peter five eight, <clears throat> he talks about. Uh, I'm going to start with verse one. He says, "The elders which are among you, I exhort, who also am an elder." That means the ministers, the fivefold, not the guy that's been in church a long time wants to boss everybody around. He says, "I'm also an elder." That means an overseer appointed by God to to preach to the flock and care for the flock. So that would be a pastor an evangelist etc and a witness of the sufferings for Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed I admonish you to feed the flock of God now if you ask me preachers get in trouble because they don't do this 
they get focused on plane tickets and you know timeshares and investments and you know let people come into church selling everything and soliciting and all of that nonsense and and they don't feed the flock of God that's all you got to do when Jesus talked to Peter he asked him if he loved him and instead of saying well worship me bow down give me money bless me follow me he said feed my sheep that's how preachers prove their love for God they keep feeding the sheep if it's good weather they feed the sheep if it's bad weather they feed the sheep if they have to travel to feed the sheep they feed the sheep they just feed the sheep period keep your little mind focused on your one simple instruction you won't go wrong feed the flock of God which is among you you know it's all kind of people need the word you know people that come to your church that's your first commitment taking the oversight thereof you have to watch out for these people's souls you know you see sheep going astray and following after one there's always fads out here folks you don't have to get caught up in them you know how to extract the good and leave the bones you understand what I'm saying? And, and you know, and you really don't need to stray anywhere looking for extra food because there's enough to feed here until you get every seat filled here. You can work, you work in this yard. You understand what I'm saying? You, you haven't mastered everything that's here. See, what happens with people is they get spiritually bored, or so they think they're spiritually bored, and they start looking for other things to nibble on instead of going deeper in where they are. You need to go deeper where you are. You don't need to go find some something else to nibble on, huh? Just perfect what God's got you working on here where you are. It's your first obligation. And pre- preachers who travel a lot and forsake their flock—they're looking for something else. They're not all called. No, not everybody needs your message. Come on now. You preaching basic salvation and come to church every Sunday and tithe. That we don't need. Everybody don't need to travel and get that message. The saints really can build each other up in that themselves, just encouraging one another with testimony and so forth. So he says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. You know, nobody's forcing the preacher to come and preach. They do it of their own free will, hopefully, and not for filthy lucre. I can't tell you the people we can't have come here because they send a letter demanding four and five thousand dollars. I said, well, that's our whole day of offerings on a good day. Uh, who told you you could have all that? You got me? Who told you to demand that? What happened to going by faith and going where God opened the door and all that old-fashioned stuff? Hmm? Before they even get a message and get known, they're demanding things now. I'm thinking, well, who are you? <laughs> they don't have signs and wonders. They, I mean, anything that that we we lack, you know, if we lack. What do they have to supplement what we lack? They don't even have what we have. Most of them, and they're making all these demands. He says, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Just God touch your heart and speak to you when you go. You don't have to negotiate a salary or a, where you're going to stay and what kind of hotel you want. And 
you know, you, you get letters from got a letter from somebody. Uh, I need a hotel with a 24-hour restaurant. I say, have you traveled recently? They don't have them anymore. <laughs> Are you kidding me? When have they had a 24-hour restaurant in a hotel? They're getting rid of those things, those dinosaurs, because nobody they can't make money off them things. Come on now. Go to bed at 10. What do you need 24 hours? You going to get up eating in the middle of the night? <laughs> they probably do. <sighs> you know, you, it's like... <laughs> All I did was send an invitation, you know, or make an inquiry. <laughs> says of a ready mind just let God just be ready to obey God you know that's what that means whatever God tells you to do you go do it you don't try and negotiate your fee first neither is being lords over God's heritage in other words you're not their boss Man, you're not. Lordship really means outside of God's authority over people. You got me? And he says, but being examples to the flock. You live right before them. You, you, whatever, you don't expect them to do anything you won't do. You got me? And, and show them the way. He says, but examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. Now that's real simple. Amen. I mean, how many how many jobs is that? It's just like one job, feed the people, don't abuse them. You know, keep in mind there's a shepherd there. Don't do it for money. Don't shake people down. He says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Mm-hmm. All of you being subject one to another and clothed in humility. So there shouldn't be any bickering, any striving in the church. Anybody trying to lord it over anybody else? You got me? For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. That's real simple. You know, anybody who can't make it in this gospel is, you know, a little slow. Just real slow. Because these are very simple instructions. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Hmm? Now, if you submit yourself to God, He gonna, you ain't going to move till he tells you to move. See? His hand is mighty upon you to keep you restrained and keep you where you need to be. But also, when you need power, it will be mighty to release that into your life. And he may exalt you in due time. There's not time to be somebody all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not time for you time. You don't have you time all the time. So you humble yourselves under his hand. He will exalt you in due season. And one thing that's bad is have stuff in your life out of season. Mm-hmm. There's a due season for everything. Trust me. God is not cheating anybody out of anything. He's not withholding any. It's, he's trying to get stuff to us. He's not withholding anything from anybody it's just not due season yet casting all your care hmm? put a line under that highlight it all your care upon him because he cares for you be sober be vigilant 
Because there's a reason for this. You do this as a protection because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. And you just resist him in the faith. In other words keep your confidence in God's word. Keep your faith in God's word. And this is how you resist him. When he says you're sick, this word, you, you resist him by focusing your, your, your mind on his word that says you're healed by his stripes. None. It's a done deal. And he says, <clears throat> resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the devil's their adversary too. He says, but the God of all grace... This is what you have. You have ability in God. Empowerment in God. Who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a little while or allowed God. After you have humbled yourself under his hand. And endured that restriction in your life. In other words you can't go do this. You can't go do that. You can't go do this. You can't go. You can't have that. You can't talk to that person. You can't do these things. That's what it means to suffer. You allow him to put godly restraint on your life. That's all. And he graces you to be able to live a good life even with the godly restraint. You're not suffering. It's just your flesh can't get up and wreck your life again. He will make you perfect. Be established and strengthen and settle you. Now I would say that's a good deal. For what we have to endure. See. That restriction that he has. That divine. Sobering kind of. Allowing him to show you. What's important. You put your, your nonsense down. For a while. And he will strengthen you. And return to you. In other words. You're not robbed of anything. You're restrained from your flesh. Having uh, the empowerment in your life so that your spirit man can catch up to that and surpass it. And then you can go forward in the power of God. He gives you more than he ever takes from you. God's not a taker. He's a giver. But we have to allow these things to be implanted in us and allow these things to be strengthened in us. And we have to trust God because he knows what he's doing. We can't do this job. You got saved because you couldn't do the job of saving yourself. You got saved because you couldn't do the job of of giving yourself encouragement and and the fruit of the spirit. That's what you needed so bad. You know I came to Jesus because I needed help and I needed a friend. Man I didn't have any. You know and then, then people get saved and let their friends stop them from obeying God. I don't understand that. You didn't have they didn't want you when you found God. They had abandoned you. Everybody left you. So anyway. 1 Peter 5.8 is an admonition to the church. And it's given to believers as a protection against deception and ensnarement. So you want to protect yourself against deception and ensnarement by the devil. He tells you to be sober and to be vigilant. You can put on sobriety. Now to be sober 
really sobriety allows us to face the facts of life face the realities of life it is what it is it's kind of a a sobering statement you know things just are the way they are now in in understanding that you can also seek God for the change that you need to see but you can't create that change yourself you got me people who are sober in their thinking understand what's real they understand the reality of things and they're not off in some fantasy land trying to create a world to protect themselves from the world that they live in so the sober person is able to accept certain things I'll give you an example there are people their parents that know their kids are on drugs and want to pretend like they're not Mm-hmm. Now they're not being sober in this. There is a place where sobriety has to come in and you know what you're dealing with and you understand facts and you know what's what. As much as you have to know. Now there is a place in God where he'll have you deal with answers and you don't have to have any kind of knowledge and understanding of things but pretty much life hits us in the face and it's up to us how we respond to it so to be sober really means to be serious and somber alert in our minds and in our thinking you have this alertness in your mind and in your thinking The word sober also really means to be unhurried. To be somber in your demeanor. You know if the devil can get you in a push for something. This is how he always gets people to make mistakes. He'll make you think time's running out. You know you got to get do this in a hurry. You know it's like the people that uh, I told you about the time we were going to look at a timeshare you, you got to make a decision today because this offer won't be here tomorrow so we always go home and pray about stuff we pray right here yeah right so anyway you know it's you know it's always the devil you know it's the devil trying to put you in a hurry for something you know if it's God it'll be there be there tomorrow it'll be there unless God moves you to get up and tell you now you've wasted enough time but God really before that would happen before we really run out of time God has already told us several times and admonished us over and over and over again to get it in gear and get moving because time's a wasting got me so it means to be sedate or gravely or earnestly thoughtful in character earnestly thoughtful in character it means to be temperate or moderate in food and drink temperate or moderate in food and drink um, Bing Crosby I always remember what he, he said and I used to employ this from time to time I would do it a little bit differently but um, he was uh, somebody asked him after so many years he's always rail thin you know he wasn't a dancer well not anymore but as an actor and he had a beautiful tenor voice you know everybody knows that voice and um, <clears throat> 
someone asked him how he was able to keep control of his weight and he said well I put on weight like everybody else he said but when that happens see there's where the temperance comes in when that happens and he said you know if he's out for dinner he only eats half of what's on his plate and he does it consistently until his weight comes back down again so then there's somebody who's temperate and moderate you know one of the things you can do is get a plate half the size you usually and put half portions and so forth on there and do it consistently until you're back normally where you want to be and so he he was able to to so he's a sober person see he's not trying to think well you know where can I go and uh, you know like <laughs> do it for two days and lose 50 pounds I lose 50 pounds in two days you don't want to have an altar call where everybody shrinks like <laughs> boy God that would be nice if we could have one of them altar calls and shrink everybody you know and and so <laughs> that's not sober thinking that's kind of fanciful thinking isn't it and so it means to be temperate and moderate that's what sober means as well not addicted to intoxicating drink see this thing about intoxication is is kind of interesting very often when life and you see this in alcoholics drug addicts across the board and you can also employ it not in a substance abuse fashion but you can employ it in a withdrawal kind of mentality is that when life is not pleasant people who refuse sobriety will find something to intoxicate them to take them into a mental state that is different from their reality I don't care if it's just imaginary thinking wishing uh, wanting things to be different that's why I always rebuke people when I hear them say things like well I'll be glad when this changes and that well why you can be glad now is anybody robbing glad from you because of your circumstances well why don't you grab on to glad now what do you want you got me you see what I'm saying and so this is what God offers us in the fruit of the spirit you know he's uh, I wish one day I know one day I hope one day I'll be able to no don't you do that don't you do that don't you dare do that you're complete in Christ what are you wishing for something different for see that's a lack of sobriety because really as a believer you got to understand this you you have a spirit in you that has has supernatural faith in your words and your desires project that faith out into the atmosphere and that becomes a prayer you see well it becomes a prayer if you're praying to God but wishing is not praying to God you got me so if you say I wish I'll be glad when somebody's going to pick that prayer up and go cause some manifestation to come to you that's why this scriptures here he said don't go to wishing you be sober and you be vigilant over your sobriety you're not waiting on anything you're not waiting on one thing things are waiting on you to get sober and be vigilant over the devil coming in trying to bring you a counterfeit 
Well, some people believe it. I don't know if y'all sleeping or you Presbyterians this morning or what. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got wash you. You know you doing all this. Get saved. Get spirit filled. Pray in tongues, and then you start wishing. <laughs> you empowered to change you can change the whole city of Detroit the school from the school system the city hall to every aspect of it with your faith and your words and you sitting up here wishing you were somewhere else using that carnal stuff your imagination is made to focus on God's vision for your life not trying to conjure up something to make you feel better because you made up your mind you don't feel good about your life today so sober people are able to accept that it is where it is what it is and all of that right now however if it's not lining up with God's word we put the word on it and we expect that word to come to pass you got me to come to pass not magically change everything hmm? comes to pass if you stay faithful to it but God's not going to watch over your words and you go off and do something different hmm? you have to stay faithful to these things you go away and leave them for a while and speak against them and say you don't want them then you come back and you may because it hasn't happened yet does that make sense sober people don't do things like that you got me they stay focused in the understanding of what they're doing and what God's doing and they're attentive to the changes that God brings about in their lives and they anticipate and embrace those changes and they can accept what God is doing in their lives not that they like it or not that they it's where they're going to eventually wind up but they're they're sober in it yes this is the way it is right now but I'm making steps toward because I am praying I am speaking to these things and I'm prophesying my life and in all of the things that we need to do I'm being obedient to God I'm blessing people I'm loving people not destroying things but helping things to grow in God and so this is extremely important that's the way sober people are so they're not addicted to things that intoxicate them they're subdued in tone they're 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 showing no extreme or excessive qualities of fancy emotion or prejudice so sober people are not extreme and excessive you know sometimes people feel so deprived you know it's a self-pity thing they feel so deprived they have to sit around and imagine what it would be like to have this or that or the other using all your your mental ability your your spiritual ability and fortitude to into vanity just because you can't live with your life and that's the life you created for yourself see this is your wants your wishes made that what it is 
That's the other thing sober people can't, that people who aren't sober can't handle. You tell them your words and your faith created whatever you're living in now, your faith made that for you. Well, you can always change your faith. Always. But you got to own it and embrace it and understand how it got here before you can change it. You can't do anything about it just saying that somebody put it there or they don't like you and somebody is treating you bad and that's how bad stuff comes in your life. Well, how'd you get to be a, a bad stuff magnet? Huh? So sobriety takes care of those things. It helps you to understand and accept but also accept that it can change and you can be responsible. The greatest truth God gave me early when I was a Christian was to know that even though my life was bad I had the power to change it. I saw that all over the word of God. I could change that. I could change the way I believed. I could change the way I thought. I could change the way I responded to things. I could change the way. I, and that made me not a victim anymore. See the worst thing in the world is to be of some kind of victim of some kind of misfortune or, or something. Yeah that was maybe that was true when you were a kid and living with mom and dad and you had to put up with their nonsense. But you're grown now. You're under, in Christ now. You're not under their roof anymore. Come out. Amen. Amen. Yes. You know I've seen households where the children run things for better or worse. You know, you'll find some kids, they figure out how to back mom and dad into a corner and get what they want. And the kid is totally running the whole show. And I've seen households where the parents are out of whack. And you find a kid that loves God and wants to go to church and can pray and expect mommy and daddy to change. So if a kid can do it, I know we can do it. You know, you were never a victim. There was always God there. Who could respond to you if you had enough, you know, understanding to reach out to him? Yes, amen. So you're not not there because somebody put you there. You're there because that's where your faith and your words and your understanding and your desire got you. It got you that far. So if you'll desire great things and and understand that God can get you into the great things that you desire, that will change. The sober person understands that they have the authority and the power to change what they believe. Hmm? Always do. You change your circumstances based on what you believe. Part of sober thinking. In Romans 12.3 the Bible tells us not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And this is another problem that causes great frustration with people. You know. <coughs> I see it all the time, you know, this ministers and, and uh, you know, want to come here and they want you to buy two plane tickets. Well, I have an assistant that travels with me. I said, your assistant got any faith? Because that's how I get everything I need in life. Huh? Better get that brother in his word and get him to believe in God for a plane ticket too. Huh? We used to try to accommodate people and then I realized these people were just robbing. They were taking. You got me? They they take and they don't give. 
And that's wrong. Those people should not be supported. They really shouldn't. Now there's some people that now if somebody is like an older, somebody paid their dues to the body of Christ and, and you know, you have the opportunity to bless them, <clears throat> sow as much as you can into that person. I'm not against accommodating people and making them comfortable, but I'm against the robbery. Huh? I'm against the robbery. And so it's it's there's a big difference there, a real big difference. And so in Romans twelve, what do we say? Twelve three? He says, Wherefore I give you to understand <clears throat> that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm in the wrong one. I'm sorry. No wonder I couldn't find it. We're Romans. I was in First Corinthians. Well, it's good anyway. Don't say God made you cuss God because that ain't true, folks. All right? (laughs) He wasn't prophesying when you did. Okay, Romans 12 and verse 3. Through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So what he's saying is we all have the same ability to greatness or whatever it is you think that separates you from the next guy. You got me? And it doesn't make you any better than the guy sitting next to you. And so we, we you really have to be careful with that believers. Because this is one thing that gets the church into trouble. Religious trouble. Is that we start demanding from the guy sitting next to us the same behavior that God has us in training to, to accomplish. You can't do that. So you can't make yourself the Lord over another person. Simply because you look at what you do as being advanced over where they are. You know what I'm saying? You're thinking of self more highly than you ought to think. Because you're going to have a challenge that's designed to fit your capability just like that other person is. Where God is going to challenge you to prove that which you know. So we all have to go through the same test of, of our faith and, and proving uh, that we can hold on to what God tells us even under adversity and under challenge and all that kind of stuff. We all are in the same boat because we all have the same measure of faith. It's just different in how we use it and what we utilize it for. See, just like it might be a little bit easier for you to use your faith for finances and and the person next to you might be challenged, you're going to have your challenge too. Maybe yours will come in in your family situation or, or something else. And so you'll have to start with level playing field of of the measure of faith and you're going to have to build on to that to to receive the things that God has for you and so we have to to be sober about it and understand that you know my my blessings in God if I lay them down before God they can be a uh, an encouragement to somebody if I'm called upon to give my testimony Instead of trying to you know, whip somebody down because they don't do what I do and it's so wonderful and great. And so we have to make sure that we keep that kind of 
attitude about it so that we give people an opportunity to to be blessed and to come up you know we have to to kind of bow down there a little bit and, and help people up instead of trying to you know rejoice in that we're we're somewhere that we think they're not and so <clears throat> we have to do everything that's in line with God's word we don't think of ourselves highly and don't think of ourselves as um, much more capable than we are because what you get you get by faith and you're just yielding to the grace of God to use that faith see it's all under God's control by the same token you can't think of yourself as being incapable and unqualified when God has qualified you we see so one one uh, is more lofty in one direction the other one's less lofty lofty and they're both er- erroneous because people get into a lot of trouble thinking they can't do certain things that God has enabled them to do Amen. you think you can't use your faith to get a healing you just haven't used it see what you've been doing is kind of trying it out a little bit that's not faith faith lays it all down on the line and says this word will come to pass if you approach it that way it'll happen if you're just trying to see what God's going to do if you listen to the word a little bit you're not going to get nothing I tell people all the time that's why at, at every healing school I try to read Proverbs 4 20 to 22 because if you don't believe that there's medicine in this word that this word is medicine I don't care how much you listen to it speak it or anything it will not heal you it will not heal you you got to believe that when you hear that word you're taking a dose of God's medicine and you can't believe anything other than that but so many people put the tape on religious they're used to going through the motions my healing you ain't getting nothing huh you gotta believe what does it hurt you to believe that that word is medicine well the first thing people think is well what about all the times that mean does that mean I can't go to the doctor that's first thing they do is want to strip you of your doctors well now the government's got it so we all gotta go and if you don't go they'll find you you got me so I see it as an assault against the church and divine health. I don't know what you see it as, but the devil's always after the church when he enacts laws. And there's going to come a point where your faith won't even work for the things you think you, well I want to believe God for my finances over here but not for my healing. Well nugget brain, you prosper and you are in health as it's a package deal. How are you going to separate a package that God already packaged up for you? He keeps you healthy so you can prosper. You got to get out there and work. Hmm? I don't know how your money comes, but I works for mine. Hmm? <laughs> so, don't think too high, don't think too low. Sober. Sober's right in there in the line of truth. Philippians 4 8 
8 he gives us further instruction you know if that didn't get you straightened out then we have another one for you those of you who like a lot of word you know I like a lot of word well good so do I here we go it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true this is what sober people do this is how sober people keep their minds sober whatsoever things are honest don't believe the lies of the devil whatsoever things are just you know you got a neighbor who's always asking you for prayer to get her son out of jail we pray for God to find criminals and lock them up Now after he's locked up and in all of that and if you know he needs to get off the street so he can keep robbing innocent quit robbing innocent people. Come on now. You know, we can get a little stupid sometimes trying to be intercessors. Amen. Huh? Whatsoever things are pure, <laughs> whatsoever you know, God straightens a lot of people out when they get to that bench and they get that orange jumpsuit on. And they're not a name anymore. They're a number. He can get a lot of folks converted right up there. When they're facing that judge. Says whatsoever things are honest. Just honest. Quit lying to yourself. Tell the truth on yourself. Whatsoever things are pure and lovely and a good report. Truth if any had virtue any praise. Think on these things. What you've learned from God and his servants. Think about that and do that. That's what sober people do. That's, that's the mindset of a sober person. That's sober thinking. God gives us his admonition to ensure our victory. This is how you ensure your success. You understand what the problem is. You understand that God has a, a result for it. He has a resolution for it. He has a, 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 a solution for that. And you're willing to do whatever he tells you to do to get the solution. You're not trying to figure out if it's going to work before you do it. That's not faith. So you're willing to exercise faith in God in order to get where you need to get. We're admonished this way because we have an adversary, Satan, who seeks to devour us as prey. I mean kill you. And kill you he will if he gets an opportunity. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that we're not ignorant of his devices. See, sober people know when the devil's moving and know how he's moving and accept it. Drunk people or people who like to fantasize about everything. Oh, well, you know, that's, did you know that there are still a large percentage of people in church who call themselves Christians believe that there's no such thing as a real devil. He's just a figment of man's imagination or some made up something. So the Bible says that's why the Bible is full of warnings about him. Because God knows he's real. So he's our adversary. 
and he seeks to devour us walks around as a roaring lion he's there to intimidate you he's there to threaten you he's there to make you think if you don't obey him he's going to kill you knowing he can't listen if he had to get your cooperation and your permission to kill you he must not have the power to do so if he had the power to kill the saints he'd have killed us already trust me but he's got to get your cooperation in order to do it that's why he has to lure and entice and seduce you away from God Hmm? it might take him a while but he you know he can get in there folks don't say he can't because he does so 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that we're not ignorant of his devices hmm we're not ignorant of his devices verse 8 he says wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him and it's talking about one of the brethren I think yeah the guy that they put out the church because he was sleeping around you know sometimes as a minister you want to do that you think how stupid can somebody be You can exhale out there, pointing the finger at anybody, anybody holding their breath. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also, and if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, I forgave it in the person of Christ. Forgive and not hold grudges, he says, lest Satan get an advantage over you. See, you you start holding people in some kind of contempt inside yourself. It's whatever they've done is too big to let go of, or you don't know what it is. It's all extraordinary. Bible says these afflictions are common to all men. He says we're not ignorant of his devices, so that's one of his devices. It's always the offense and the snare, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. To be sober also includes understanding what your flesh craves and not give in to it. You can be honest about yourself. You know, it's like, you know, oh gosh, I know that's a habit. That's a bad habit I have. You know, I have a habit of, you know, if I'm upset, you know, I get a little testy with my words or whatever it is. You know, that kind of thing. Everybody does that. So, you know, and if that ain't your your butter, then something else is your butter. Huh? Maybe you're a backbiter. You just go around after everybody's gone home and then talk about them to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's an it's an offense. It's how you handle an offense. Mm-hmm. He first enticed Eve by questioning, mm-hmm. questioning her. And the devil starts questioning you about what you're upset about. Mm-hmm. Because he always uses the power of your own soul and your own mind to start to hammer away at you. Puts pressure on you. And that entices us to stick our foot in the trap, in the snare. He first enticed Eve this way. He started questioning her. You know, you, you got 
Christian friends. You go to church on Saturday? Oh, we have midweek service. How long is your Saturday? You still at church? Mm, we only have two hours. You got me? Yeah. And what do you have to show for it? Well, is your life so great? I mean, come on, let's look at the fruit. Huh? You calling me an apple? I'm, what are you? Huh? Are you what you really want to be, or are you just comparing yourself to me? Hmm? Amen. This is sin in itself. Yes. Compare yourself to the other person. Hmm? Minister and help them, but they're not to interrogate you about how you worship God. Amen. So he'll question you. Did God really say that? You sure you heard him right? Because see, what I know about God is that if you eat this, you'll be smart like He is, huh? Hmm. Huh? Or he'll he'll give you sometimes you'll have errant thoughts and you know you should renounce them. Huh? Renounce them on the thought level. Huh? Don't let that stuff make a bed in there and put you to sleep every night and you go to bed thinking about it and you wake up thinking about it. Don't let that thing make a, a nest in your mind. Huh? You rebuke that thing when it's on the seed and the thought level. Because then when the devil starts getting you ensnared, you know, oh, you're entitled. Huh? Right, right. Yeah, everybody does that a little bit. Huh? He wants you to do it a lot. Huh? Or nobody knows or God understands. Nobody saw you. Well, God understands. You know, we all need a little company every now and then. Huh? Little snuggle bunny. I bought me some socks. They're the best socks. I'm telling you. For all you snuggle bunny think you're entitled to. They cost $12 at Kohl's. And they're lined with aloe vera. Them some nice socks. Some nice socks. Uh-huh. You can put them on and take them off when you want to. Yep. What what Satan does is he <clears throat> puts pressure on you to convince you that what's wrong is right. Sober people kick that out the first time it comes in. People who aren't sober entertain it because their flesh delights in some kind of fantasy idea about themselves. Many times people are trying to live 18 over again. It's bad at any age, but it's really bad when you got gray hair. You got me? Trying to suck up the middle age spread and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, come on now. You see these grandmas out there trying to kick it with their granddaughters. Got on them little love. If if I could do anything, I would I would preach and get people converted and tell them go home and bring them tights that y'all be wearing up here with no, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and let's burn them all, huh? Because they ain't doing us no good, you no good, and nobody no good. Let's just have a tight burning or skinny jean burning bonfire and burn them all. Some of them grandmas get out there and they oh my goodness. 
and then, <laughs> then the low rise muffin top people and the I'm thinking oh now <laughs> did you take a mirror before you left oh sober people know that you can't put all of that in that little bit and look good we have an overflow and not a good one either and that ain't coming from the God of the overflow either that's come from the God of this world trying to make you look so sober people you got me believe what they see in the mirror when they look in there <laughs> you know I mean come on now I, now I'm not in, uh, you know I'm not against anybody trying to enhance and look good and all that but there's a, a line you draw come on there's you cut it off now it's just you know so our offenses then become a part of uh, Satan's conversation with us as well hmm? the offense really is what causes the trap to be sprung so really God says if you're sober and vigilant you won't get in you won't get that far down the road where he can spring the trap on you so so what what sobriety does is it helps us to understand what a healthy mindset is for a Christian certain things you're supposed to be able to freely think and certain things you cut them off when they come into your mind when you start getting offended by things that's when he sticks your foot in the trap now what do we mean with offense when you're offended that means that you have crossed the line that God told you not to cross in other words you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think you're feeling sorry for yourself because you think you should have something you don't possess yet you don't have the faith for it you don't have the prayer life for it and there is no way God's allowed it to come into your life but you refuse to accept that sometimes people want uh, you know you see people now back in the day when people would, would think about adult life and getting married they they were trained to be married people at home. People don't train their children anymore. They haven't, we haven't done that for generations. We haven't trained them to be good husbands and wives to the spouse. What do you do? You train them in how to have a healthy household, a healthy home life, good domestic skills, etc., etc. Trains them so that you can expect that when they get a certain age they can step over into that it won't be a strain and it won't be a hurdle for them so if you haven't been taught that it's going to be a strain and it's going to be a hurdle for you and you won't be able to leap into it you're going to have to let God teach you how to take a step at a time and get there and so there are many people who want the house the car the kids all in one year you got me and there's no way you could stack all of that up because number one you don't even know how to cook you don't pick up behind yourself you don't clean a house you got me so God's going to have to teach you how to do those things so that Pete ain't going home to mom every evening because her house is clean because Pete's daddy taught her how to clean the house when they were young and you got me 
And so then we're mad at God because we don't have all that stuff. And hey, I've been praying for this for the long. But yeah, but you're not willing to make step one to get there. Amen. See, many people despise the day of small things. We have too much, too little appreciation for where we're at. We see it. Well, all we see it is we're moving on from this. And you never, Joyce Meyer makes a living telling people to not do that. Learn to be happy where you are. Because getting to the next place is not going to be happiness. But happiness is with you right here if you yield to it. That kind of stuff. And so in, in being angry at God because of what you lack is not going to impress him to give it to you any faster. His word is full of rules that you have to follow. To get it. I tell people sometimes. Honey you get it quicker going robbing somebody. Than trying to get it from God. With the attitude you got. You got it. Just go just go knock somebody over the head and take it. Because you'll never get it from God. On the road that you're going. So people somehow are offended. By their life. You got me. I remember the day. I was too depressed to function anymore. I had woke, I got up one day and decided I didn't like my life anymore. And it went downhill from that. You got me? So if you want to make that decision, I'm telling you it's going to go downhill from there. And you can turn yourself around because you can decide not to be offended by where your faith, your confession, and your thinking got you. Because you're not going to move from there until you change one or all of those. If you don't change your faith you're not going to move forward. If you don't change your thinking you're not going to move forward. And if you don't change the way you use your thought life you're not going to move forward. Not going to move forward. And so an offense would have to come in there to get you to get your foot in the snare. And it always happens. The devil starts making you, you don't think soberly. You think more highly. Every time you see somebody with something, you, that little stab or twinge in there goes off. Or somebody gets to be somewhere and you think you ought to be there instead. And that little twinge goes off. And so you keep, instead of putting that thing down, you let it fester. You let it, you just hold on to it instead of fighting that. And then God tries to help you. He lets it come out around the saints. You get exposed. Instead of dealing with it. You leave it in there. Still festering. Still festering. And so then the next step. Is they said okay. I've tried to show you that's not right. I'm going to help you get rid of that. I'm going to help you live a, live a, a good clean healthy. Sober happy life. But you won't let me. You'd rather hold on to that selfishness in there so then pretty soon there's an offense that happened now with Samson he was offended he never thought soberly about himself even though God had empowered him God called him as a judge but there's somehow something gets in people who are called they keep stepping over this line of pseudo greatness before they're great got me when you're called the seed of the life God has for you is planted in you that's all 
He's just announced that to you. You're not special. You're not important. You know, God doesn't love anybody more than he loves anybody else. Come on now. That's just the, the life that he's chosen for you. Out of the counsel of his own will. Which means he don't have to tell you why he chose you. Sometimes people can be privy to that but he don't have to tell you that. Most people who try to tell you why God does things come up with the wrong answer anyway. So Samson considered himself to be such a big thing that the women that God called him to be a part of offended him. He didn't like the Hebrew women. huh? And his parents tell him that don't you ever like any of the girls that you're supposed to like? No, I like them hoes down there in, uh, where's that place, Timna and all them other, them hot, popping, kicking girls. I like them girls. Well, if you think of yourself sober in a sober fashion, you'll think about the fact that when you marry someone, you have to settle into a day-to-day life with them and hot and kicking ain't what you really want every day. And see mom and dad know this and they try to tell you and convince you no you're going to want a girl that when you come home somebody ain't running through the, the back of the tent. You know running out as you're running in. Huh? And you come and you put all you know you put your feet up on the on the couch somewhere and you don't find a little bulge there with somebody else's clothes is up under that that cushion. Huh? So he wound up with that type of woman and and messed his mind totally. It was messed up to be he wasn't sober to begin with, but it messed his head all the way up when he got involved with them. And so the offense that these people are not good enough for me. Nothing that God has has provided for me is ever good enough. Now you think about it. You think about the times we just upset because of what we feel we lack or we're missing or we're waiting on or we're tired of waiting. What you're really saying is what you're offended because what you believe God's provided is not good enough for you. See you're not sober in your thinking. You're not sober. If you say God is a good God why would you be offended at what he's provided for you? Huh? Yeah, it's not the way it's going to be forever, but we can embrace it because God, a loving God, your Heavenly Father, provided this to you by your faith, and He's encouraging you to add to your faith so that He can give you more. That's all He ever does, is encourages us to add to what we have so He can give us more. So Samson thought more highly of himself than he ought to think. Took him a while. But he finally got his eyes plucked out. He wasn't using them anyway. He lived by the flesh. Huh? He didn't live by faith either. He lived by impulse. He'd get an impulse to fight the Philistines. Or he'd fight the Philistines because they was messed up in his mix. You know messing with his wife or messing with whatever he had at the time. Running around with a lot of different women. The Bible said the power of God would come on him from time to time. Well you need the power of God on you all the time. 
See, God had to lift the power because he would have destroyed everything if he left that nut with that kind of anointing on him continually. And so he was really just getting started in his ministry. He was a green, you know, greenhorn, tinhorn, whatever they call him. He was green in the ministry. Just getting started and already thought he was all that. Hmm? That's the preacher that demands a, a you know, $4,000 offering. And a plane ticket and one for his assistant. And he, this is just his third or fourth year in the ministry. And if they don't turn around, they'll get ensnared. Because they'll get involved with somebody that will give them a check that has a rope on the end of it. And they'll lead them around, chase them with that money. Let the God of Mammon get in there. So we know the the story of Samson. He would use sometimes the wisdom of God, and he would make up riddles and get everybody's attention. He was an attention seeker. You know, he thought he was all that, but then he had to find out who he really was. He was blind, not sober in his thinking, foolish. But at the end of his life he got a chance to finally serve God. It cost him his eyes and it cost him his freedom. But he finally started to see. When his natural sight was when he was blinded from natural things he finally began to see God. God would rather use us when we're in full possession of all of our abilities. And get more out of you that way. You got me? And you'll enjoy it yourself. David was offended. Going to war with the men offended him now that he was king. Now this is the very skill that got him from stepping in sheep poop all day long. Being able to wash off his sandals and come into king's palace. He could put his feet under the king's table. Because he was out, not out in the fields anymore. His skin kind of got not so sunburnt. He looked like a man who had an inside job. And so after he got to be king it offended him to go off to war. He'd rather just point his scepter at who and who and who and send y'all out to do the dirty work. And so while he was in the wrong place at the wrong time the enemy was able to put his foot in a snare. Hmm? Now why that lady was out on the porch taking a bath, I don't know. You got me? I take a bath in my bathtub. I don't know about y'all, but I, you know, I mean, I'm sure they had indoor and outdoor facilities. They probably had curtains and stuff you could draw, but she knew where her porch was. Come on, y'all, grow up, okay? She knew exactly where she was taking a bath at and who was looking. And how long they could look. She probably sat out there many times with her clothes on and said, hmm, I think I'll go for the gold this time. Hello. Oh, come on, boys. Don't be so innocent. Huh? I mean, there's there's people that are coming in your life to mess it up. And they know they coming to mess it up and don't feel good until they mess it up. It's just a mess up people out here. 
So don't go all Christian on me when I start trying to warn y'all as to what sobriety is. They don't love you and don't like you. They want to mess your life up. You know some people aren't happy. They're never going to be happy. And if they can control and make other people like them, they're very happy. Huh? And so they make their life off of your misery. In, in showing that they can pull you away from things. Pull you away from God. Pull you away from your wife. Pull you away from your kids. Pull you away from your family. They take delight in that stuff. That's what I mean by be sober, okay? Don't act like this is, oh my. You mean there's lions and tigers and bears? Oh my. Just be real, okay? Let's just. And some of them in church. Church is full of people like that. Come in there looking. I'm looking for a church boy. I'm looking for a church girl. Oh, sure. Get you to mess your life up. You get hooked up with them. Well, you know, we, you know, we, we have to get married. You know, we can't do anything. Okay, I'll marry you. Till, till you wish you were dead. <laughs> Saul was offended. He was already the king. He had everything. Had everything. All he had to do was be cool. You know, stay, stay where God had him. Obey God. Live under divine protection and, and groom his son to be the next king. But he messed it up. He got offended. Offended by David. It was a young boy that was was God was using to help him to hold on to his kingdom. Amen. Huh? Amen. Wanted to kill David. Stuck his foot in that snare. And then God had to choose. Before God loved everybody and wanted everybody to leave. They was all happily ever after in the, in the castle there. In the king's palace living good. Until Saul messed it up with his jealousy. He was offended by David's fame. He was offended at David's abilities. Hmm? Moses was offended. Hmm? Knew he was a Hebrew, but he didn't really want to go over there. You know what I mean? Thought himself a little more highly than he ought to. I'm really a, you know, I'm really an Egyptian. No, I'm a Hebrew. No, I'm an Egyptian. No, I'm a Hebrew. No, oh, oh. not sober in his thinking. See, couldn't straighten out his own identity, and so he was offended at the treatment in his heart. He was offended at the way his people were being treated, but then he had to hide some of that. And then one day it just told on him. He couldn't hide it anymore. They wound up killing an Egyptian and had to run for his life. And so the enemy can always get our foot in a snare, folks, through the offense. Through the offense. And he will eventually get you offended and get you to move if you don't retrieve your soul. You've got to pull yourself back and get sober in your thinking. Because people who use their their uh, mental abilities to wish and to make believe and to pretend 
Know what I mean when I say pretend? What you have is you have a seed of what God gave you but you make it out to be the. (laughs) And it ain't faith either. There's a difference. We know when we're pretending and we know when we're making a faith statement. Because a faith statement will eventually develop into that big thing that you envision. Pretense will make it you'll be you'll be satisfied with the lie forever. Mm -hmm. Pretense. I'm believing God for. That's how it's I'm believing God for. I'm believing God for. That's our calling card. We give it to people when we think they're questioning us about what we're embarrassed of, what we don't want to be sober about. See the devil always draw people to you to lure you into some kind of goofy conversation about where you are. It's not their business where you are. They don't have a heaven to send you to or a hell to put you in either. Huh? If God sends them to encourage you, you know, he will give them a word of encouragement. But you don't have to answer their questions. That's a pharisaical spirit that, that's put on people. There's Questioning everybody. Well, when did you get saved? How long have you been saved? What you give me your testimony? And you didn't give me nothing. Huh? You give me yours. Right. Amen. Uh, no thanks. Sorry, I asked. You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear their testimony. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they don't have one. But they want to question everybody else about theirs. Somebody, can you turn that oven off? Just flip the button. Yeah, thanks. And so <clears throat> when we. We need to understand that this offense thing is the last, you know, the last straw. When the enemy can get us to do something stupid and step over that line and cause our foot to get in a snare. And then we're embarrassed because we don't know how to get back over again. You don't know how to get back over. You just have to say, I'm caught. Because if you had the skills to get back over, you wouldn't have got in there to begin with. See, the admonition, be sober and vigilant, you ignored that totally. You hung on to your fantasy, you hung on to your pretense, you hung on to your lie. Now some things are kind of like innocent embellishments where people just need correction in their thinking you know how sometimes you think faith means this that and the other and then as you stay in the words you realize oh yeah that wasn't faith at all I just made that up thinking that that was God who told me that so there is a place where where these things are innocent and you step in well the Holy Spirit will correct you that's easily taken care of But I'm talking about somebody who refuses to let go of this carnality in their thinking. This lifestyle of wanting their life to be something other than what it is. When the Bible tells you that you're complete in him. Why are you talking about your lack? Why are you experiencing lack? Why are you not content where you are? Amen. The Bible tells you if you have food and, and, and shelter, be content with such things as you have. What more do you need after you have that? And so these are things that we have to understand as a church that, that when your your mind gets inflated 
with drunkenness. You're drunk in your mind about, oh, God said this and he's going to do that. And all this. You know, people get, they get this religious thing sometimes. You know, you talk to people if you go to a, a, a meeting from a, in a different city. Everybody will come up to you and tell, well, God's going to break out revival in so-and-so where they live. It's always going to break out where they are. Huh? When was the last time you won a soul in that city? They ain't breaking out nothing. Go back and pray. Quit announcing everything to people who know better. You need to announce revival to the ones who are holding it up. We ain't holding up nothing. Huh? Of course if they did that they'd be sober. <laughs> the only things holding up the move of God is not enough people are taking authority over the devil. And walking in the spirit where God is. Where he can instruct you and help you to get these things going. We don't need revival. We just need saints to get up off their lazy behinds and go do the gospel. Huh? That's all. That's all that is really. It's people, empowered people moving out in faith. How many gifts do we need? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're born again. God takes care of all of your needs. What more do you need? What are you waiting on before you go and conquer the world? For God. Galatians 6.3. This is sobering. Sobering spot. A man who thinks of himself as something when he's nothing is quite deceived. Man. That's where the problems start. It's how you see yourself. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Man. He's talking about restoring people who are overtaken by the enemy. Many times people look at them and, oh boy, I'm glad I'm not them. And yeah, that's true. I am glad. But you have to be willing to do prayers of restoration and and all of that and understand that that's weak flesh. And if you don't obey God and stay out of that snare, you could be there yourself. And so that's what you make of that. You say, God, you know what? I'm real glad that didn't happen to me, but... Thank God you've shown me how to stay out of that place. Because high mindedness is the first thing that will grab you and pull you into that snare. Thinking yourself more than you are something when you are nothing. But if you're willing to bear that brother's burden and pray for him and pray that God restore him. And then fellowship with him when he's restored then then God will have pleasure in that. And Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So that's sobriety, folks. We'll talk about vigilance next time. Amen. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word. And we are sober people. Lord, we will not be drunk on our own conceited thinking. But we will allow you to gauge our thoughts, keep our thoughts, keep our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen and amen again. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.